Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Life Assembly Church. I am Pastor Dale DeMel, lead pastor, and we are so excited to be able to come together and to worship, and we are so honored that you are here with us. Uh, right now, I want to just say a couple things. First of all, this Mother's Day, May 10th, we have something really exciting planned for you and our surrounding community. So we need you to stay tuned and join us. But right now, we are one church in many living rooms, and we get to worship together. I'm going to read a quick psalm here. Psalms chapter 27, verses 7 and 8. The psalmist writes, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. And you have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you have called out to us to seek your face. And right now, as one church, in different living rooms, and in different locations, your face we seek together. In your holy name we pray. Will you join us in worship and in listening to the word? Good morning, everyone. Uh, We're going to jump into some worship. But before we do that, I encourage you, if you're sitting at home in your couch, uh, last week I just sat there and watched myself, which one was weird because I don't ever see myself recorded. But I encourage you to stand up during this time. Um, Make it feel a little more normal than usual. So let's get started. Sing, it's your heart. It's your heart we're searching for. We want you and nothing more. It's your glory, fill this place. We're alive in your presence. It's your heart we're searching for. We want you and nothing more. It's your glory, fill this place. Consuming fire 
the best. 
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for
Thank you so much, worship team. That was such a powerful, powerful time of worship. And we're so grateful for your service and that you are just um, so honoring to God in what you do and how you, how you give your gifts to him. And uh, hey, my name is Pastor Jaina, and I am the co-lead pastor of, of Life Assembly Church with my husband, Pastor Dale. And we are super excited this week. We are going to be launching a new series called Meanwhile. And I don't know if you uh, have sorted out why we would be doing that, but man, it feels like we are definitely in the meanwhile. And when we think of the word meanwhile, I want you to think of like, uh, like Batman, the series, like the old, old series, when Batman and Robin are, are doing something super extra cool, and then all of a sudden it goes, and this big meanwhile comes on the screen, and then you see what's going on behind the scenes. And um, anyway, things work out in such awesome ways in the meanwhile, and so we're going we're gonna to take this, and we're going to run with it. So, okay, hey, um, I am going to get started with the word today, and I'm so grateful to be able to share it with you, and um, it's going to be fun. So uh, I was thinking about this, and I was reminded of something. Like, my thinking and praying place is in the shower, which may be weird, but it's um, one of the only places in my house where I am alone, (laughs) Um, because there's a lot of people. So I was in the shower, and um, I was praying about this, and I had some realizations. Do you, do you ever have realizations about yourself that just stop you, like, dead in your tracks? Um, I sure do. One of the realizations that happens to me often is uh, I realize that my deodorant's not holding up. Um, it's a rock. I mean, I don't know why I should think it would, but um, somewhere in my head I've convinced myself that everything's going to go well with my deodorant. But when I get nervous, then it doesn't work out. But anyway, another realization that happens to many of us, I think, is, um, man, we open our mouths and, and, and something's going on. We open our mouths and, and out of our mouths we say something and then we like stop and we realize whoa, that was my mom, that wasn't me, you know, and you just realize um, that, that, that your mom is coming out of your mouth. Um, a recent one for me uh, has been when um, we're at home a lot, right, and I'll be doing something, and all of a sudden I'll be like, whoa, like, that's a home habit, you know, <laughs> like, you can't carry that one out into the world, so we got to put the kibosh on the home habits, and you need to start working on your out there habits again, you know, um, and so I wonder if that's happened with you at all, <laughs> because home habits, man, I think we're going to have, we need to, woo, there's going to be some, some work we got to do. Anyway, uh, one of the realizations that I remember having um, so, so clearly in my life was the moment that I realized that I was annoying. I just remember it was clear as can be. I was a kid, and um, I was with my mom, and I think my aunt in the car. And man, I, I was laughing when I was thinking about this in the shower um, because I was thinking my mom would just bust up if she was here right now because I was a kid. I was quite a kid. Um, I was that kid that never sleeps. I, I was a kid that you know she just finally had to just put me in God's hands. You never knew where you would find me in the morning. And um, I was the kid who I was so obnoxious that she. Like, one time she was at the store, and I would hide from her in the store. Um, and this was, like, my mom was trying to find me in the store, and finally she finds me. And, and uh, she's, she's like, done. She's done, right? My mom is the pinnacle of patience. Like, she is unbelievably patient. It's just a paragon. And um, 
she's just done. And so she's going to take me out of the store because I'd been hiding from her. And um, <laughs> she's, I'm a tiny little kid, and she's taking me out of the store. And I'm shouting at her. Just put yourself in my place right now, or in her place right now. I'm shouting at her. It's not nice to hurt little children. It's not nice to hurt little children. I mean, I just think of it now. I think, oh, my goodness, if my kids would have done that to me. Whoa. But, you know, I, I was annoying. I had a heart of gold, though. Like, um, my first... My first sin that I remember, um, I share this with the youth a lot because um, I know we talk about being, uh, just being aware of, of our sin. And my first sin that I can recall, I think it was two, maybe two and a half, and we lived in Hawaii, and I was at a daycare or something in Hawaii, and um, I remember there was another little girl, and she was being so mean to people. Um, she was being mean to me, and she was being mean to other little kids, and, and, and you know, in Hawaii, there's a season where it rains a lot, and so there was a, like, this huge mud puddle on the on the ground in front of me and I just remember the moment that I was struck with the idea that this little girl was was mean and that she should go in the mud and so I remember pushing her face down in the mud and it was just awesome but it was also such a bad sin and so I remember that but anyway um I had a heart of gold but I was annoying okay and I realized this one day when I was riding in the car with my mom and my aunt. And so it was like the early 80s. So, of course, I was in the back seat of the car. I had my elbows up on the, on the you know, car, and I was talking to them. And I had a really loud voice when I was young. And um, so I was talking to them. I was telling them some super important story that, that happened to me and that they just needed to know about. And, and I remember it dawned on me in that moment. I, I caught something out of the corner of my eye. My mom was driving, and, and um, I saw her reaction. And then... Um, she just said so gently, she's such a wonderful woman, she said, you know, Gina, you don't have to talk quite so loud because we're sitting right in front of you. And I remember sitting in the car thinking, wait a second, I am annoying. Like, I am so annoying. And and, and I was, holy cow. And so anyway, um, that thought, you know, just I kept with me for, for quite a while and, and, and in my young years and lived life with awareness that I was annoying. And, and uh Man, there's a meanwhile here, you know, and uh, in the meanwhile of me with a super loud um, voice and and realizing my annoyance, um, something was happening in my body that I was not aware of. And just a little while later after that that realization that I was annoying, um, I went to camp. And, man, camp is a place to get wild. I mean, getting wild for Jesus at camp, for screaming and shouting and all that. And I went to camp, um, and I lost my voice. And I lost my voice at camp. Um, that, that happened often, like I would do things and cheer and whatever, and I'd lose my voice. But um, this time when I lost my voice at camp, it didn't come back. And so weeks passed, and my voice didn't come back. And um, I, was, I remember going to the doctor with my mom, and, and I was sitting in the doctor's office, and the doctor said to me, man, you know, you, you've been abusing your voice for a long time, and I can tell that because you have nodes on your vocal cords. And if you don't stop hurting your voice, you're going to, like, lose it. So you have two options. You know, you can have surgery or you can just take care of your voice right now. And I was like, I don't know, I was like 12 or something. I was like, surgery ain't happening. I'll just be, I'm going to be a good little soldier and I'm going to take care of my voice. So anyway, my voice didn't come back for quite a while. And in fact, it was about two years where I talked like I was like a lifelong smoker um, after that, before my voice even came back. And, and the miracle wonder of it all is that I'm just not, I'm not annoying anymore. So, I mean, praise the Lord for that. But 
I share this story about being annoying with you because uh, what I was thinking about the meanwhile, um, I was thinking about the most annoying character in our, in our scripture, and uh, that's Joseph. Joseph just annoyed people, like left and right, wherever he went, he was annoying. So, hey, if you got your Bible at home, I would love you to open it up just to the first book. It's the book of Genesis, and we're going to go to chapter 37, and that's where the story of Joseph really um, kind of takes off, Right? So I'm going to pray while you're doing that. So um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word. Um, I thank you so much that you put, you put these, these true stories about people into your word that, um, that can show us so much about your character, who you are, and how you work. And God, we just pray that you would work mighty, mightily in this meanwhile. Um, and God, I just, I just pray for those uh, of the people around us, Lord, who are fighting um, this disease that we're all dealing with, Lord. I pray that you would come and, and do mighty miracles in their body, miracles of healing, Lord. And I pray that you would help those who are working. God, I pray that you would show yourself strong and, and that you would show yourself a provider for those who are hurting among us, Lord. Um, and God, I just pray that your word would go forth today in power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Genesis 37, um, in, in verse 1, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, and uh, then we're going to go ahead and talk about Joseph, uh, life of Joseph. So uh, we got the account of, of Jacob's family line here. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, he was tending the flocks with his brothers, who are the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. I may be saying those right, or I may be saying those wrong. It's okay. Um, you get it. And they were his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. So he's in the fields with his brothers. And, um, and he's hanging out with them. He's 17 years old. And they do some stuff he doesn't like. And so he goes home to dad and he tattles. He tattles on him. So that's going on. And in verse 3 it says this. Now Jacob, or Israel as he was named, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. It was awesome. It was a coat of many colors, if you will. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So who was Joseph? All right. So we know from this scripture that he was a 17-year-old kid who annoyed the people around him. We also see that he was a favorite of his father's. And his father's father wanted people to know that he was his favorite so much that he made a beautiful coat for him. But Joseph had other things that he was. He was the 11th son of 12. Of a, to a guy named Jacob. Um, Joseph was born of the wife that Jacob loved the most. Her name was uh, Rachel. And uh, he had one little brother that was full-blooded, um, and his mom had died giving birth. So, jo- so Joseph was, um, he was a, a, a son that his dad loved so much because he was um, what he had, you know, of his beloved wife. And, and, and why was he born of uh, one wife, and, and, and he had one full-blooded brother, and why was that cool? Yeah, that's a whole thing. Um, a couple of chapters beforehand, if you want to take a look at it, there were some things going on, a little sister wives, a little conks, like we call them in the youth group, a little concubine action happening there with, uh, with Joseph's dad. And um, sorry, concubines are <laughs> ladies in Scripture that were used um, by, by some men. They were kept, and they had the protection of the men, um, and the men could have relationships with them, um, but they didn't get inheritance. And so that was what was going on in some of the situation. But anyway, so Joseph was 11 son, little brother to these guys, son of beloved wife, and his dad loved him so, so, so much. But he was annoying, all right? And so we have this account I just read to you that he annoyed his brothers because he was a tattletale and all that stuff. Um, But Joseph, he knew God. And so Joseph had... um, 
an encounter with God in, in some dreams. And so I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures more, and we're going we're gonna to see what Joseph's dreams were. So in verse 5, we've got it, it says like this, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Do you know what his dream was? It went like this. Listen to this dream I had, he says to his brothers. He said, I, I was in the, we were in the field, and we were binding sheaves of grain, and, and, and my sheave of grain, well, it stood up, and all of your sheaves of grain, well, they just bowed right down to my sheave of grain. And his brothers were like, what? Like, who do you think you are, man? And so they just got super mad at him. And Joseph was like, eh, you know, it was God, though. It was God. So then Joseph has another dream. And this time he's like, man, I'm not just going to tell my brothers my dream. I'm going to tell my dad this dream. It was a sick dream. And it was from God. But Joseph has this dream. And in this dream, not only did that he get bowed down to this this dream was like the sun moon and stars so all the planets had a line and everyone was bowing down to joseph and joseph wanted to share this with his family and so he did and they were all like boy you crazy and then they were like we hate you we hate you forever you're so annoying and then um close scene okay so joseph had some dreams they were actually from god it was amazing god was showing what was going to happen in the future but joseph was 17 years old so he didn't know what to do with this and it was annoying all right so fast forward a little bit Joseph's brothers are out in the fields. They're tending the sheep. And out comes Joseph into the fields because his dad said, Hey, Joe, I want you to go check on your brothers, if you would. And Joseph was a good boy. He loved his dad. And so he wanted to honor him and obey him. And so he went and checked on his brothers. So eventually he finds him. And when he comes along in his super fancy coat, his brothers see him. And they're like, Man, we got to kill this boy. We, he is so annoying. Let's just get rid of him. And, and that's like quite a thing to think, uh, but they didn't end up getting rid of him. They ended up putting him into a hole in the ground, and then eventually ended up selling him to some Ishmaelites, which is like a whole nother story. But anyway, so they sell him to these Ishmaelites, they take his pretty coat, they um, rub it in some blood, and they take it home, and they tell his dad that he is died, which is terribly tragic, um, and bad things happen. So his brothers sold him to some, to some Ishmaelites, and then those Ishmaelites were heading on down to Egypt, and that's where we're going to pick up here in a moment. Now, let me tell you something about Joseph's brothers. They were not good dudes. I mean, these guys, like when Joseph was tattling on them, he probably had good reason. Like we see in just the chapters around this that they did some stuff that was like way, way out of line, man. In fact, if you read the story of Joseph in Genesis this story is interrupted. Like, there is an interrupting chapter. And in this interrupting chapter, it captures um, one of his brothers and, and some of the stuff that he did um, that were just not appropriate to talk about uh, over Facebook Live right now. So we're not going to do that. But it's there in the Word, and you can read it. All right. So Joe's on his way down to Egypt, and he's going with these traders. And he gets traded, or excuse me, he gets sold to a dude named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar, like, in my mind's eye, Potiphar is like the rock, you know, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. This dude is the head of the personal security guards for Pharaoh, okay? Now, Pharaoh was not just the king of Egypt. He was like a god. He was worshipped like a god. And, and he, he was thought he made the sunrise every day, okay? And so Joseph gets sold into the rock's house, right? And the rock's hanging out with his homies like John Cena and like uh, Chuck Norris, right? And they're all like broing around. And in comes little Joseph. So Joseph is a slave, and he's working in, in Potiphar's house. Now, let me ask you something. We're getting to this place in the story where Joseph is in a meanwhile, right? Like, things were good for Joseph. He was beloved. He had, like, the fine coat going on. Like, 
He's like, whatever, Armani okay, okay. And um, like he had like, like 40,000 followers on Instagram or something, I don't know. But that boy was provided for and he was loved and he got knocked down, right? So he gets sold to Potiphar's house and this boy is on the bottom, okay? So this is like a serious drawback. He's in a meanwhile and he's got to figure out what to do with it. And as a young man, I admire Joseph so much for what he did in this moment because he had a, he had a word from God. We know because God gave him some dreams, right? That showed him a future, and he had this word of God, and he held he held on to that word. But Joseph, he didn't give up. Like he 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 kept his chin up. Like he's in this unfortunate situation, like serving the the bodyguard of Pharaoh, and 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 he just was like, all right, well here I am, and so I'm going to make the best of it. And so he did. Chin up. He keeps pressing on, and he serves Potiphar the best that he can. And you know what? Potiphar takes notice of him and he ends up seeing that everything that Joseph touches, it's blessed because God is with him. And so Potiphar raises him up and pretty soon Potiphar's just hanging in his house and all he's worried about is like, what am I going to have for breakfast this morning? Like, hey man, what am I going to have for dinner? And, and, and things were going really, really well for Joseph. Like he rose, he went from the bottom, he rose to the top. I mean, he's rags to riches. I mean, things are like, woo, for him. And pretty soon Joseph has another set down. And so, you know, it's crazy. So, like, the Bible actually says, I, I think it's funny about the Bible because there's a lot, Joseph comes from a line of, like, fine people, okay? Like, let's just be honest. If you read back in Genesis, Joseph's family line, he had, there were some mamas in that family line that were so hot that the husbands, two husbands in a row, father and son, lied about these women and called them their sister because they thought people were going to kill them because their wives were so hot, okay? So Joseph comes from a good-looking stock of people, right? So he was a good-looking brother, okay? So Joseph is in Potiphar's house, the rock's house, right? And, and, and he's got a wife, right? Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph. He's like, man, that's a fine young specimen right there. He's a good-looking boy, right? That's what the Bible says. It says he was well-formed and he was good-looking. And so this woman was like, I would like to have him in my bed. And so she's trying to get him in her bed. And the Bible says in these chapters, that she harassed this kid. Like, she kept asking him to come to bed, asking him to come to bed, asking him to come. He was like, listen, listen, I am in your husband's house. I take care of everything for this man. All he worries about is what he's going to eat and drink for breakfast and dinner, and he worries about you because you are his woman, and I will not, listen to this, he says, I will not do that. I will not dishonor God. Joseph never walked away from his faith and his relationship with God, no matter what his circumstances were, from the bottom to the top. Powerful. So anyway, as things go, this lady got a little bit desperate, and she sent all of the servants out of her house. And in comes Joseph to do his work, and she's like, come on, boy, I want to get some. And then he's like, no way, ain't happening. He runs away, which every young man should do when faced with a similar situation. And um, he leaves his coat behind, and she takes it, and she blames him. Um, or she tries to tells her husband that Joseph has... Uh, has hurt her, and, um, and he gets in big trouble, right? The husband has rage. But it's interesting because the husband doesn't, like, kill this guy. The husband puts him into the prison, the king's prison, which it sounds like is a pretty bougie place, okay? So Joseph goes back to the bottom, all right? So you got this kid. He was on top. Things were going well. He was beloved. He had a lot of money. Um, Armani, remember? And he's dropped down to the bottom. He's sold into slavery. Then he rises up, and he doesn't lose track of who he is. And here he is. He's back to the bottom. So here he goes, and he's in prison. So we got Joe. Joe's in prison, and he's hanging out in prison. And pretty soon, he rises up 
in prison. The prison guard looks at this kid and he's like, man, this is a kid of character. This is a kid. I like this kid. And so he started putting him in charge of things and putting him in charge of things. And pretty soon it was years in prison, but Joseph rose up. And so Joseph is, is taking another meanwhile and he's making something of it. Joseph didn't sit down in the dirt and just say, man, this is stupid. You know, I can't believe this. Like I should be, this is all unjust. You know, it shouldn't have happened to me. Everything is wrong, and I just blame everyone else for what's going on with me. He didn't do that. He totally just like, same thing. He, he knew he had a word from God. He kept true to it. He had confidence in God. He kept his chin up, and he kept on moving forward. Like, he kept on keeping on because he just wanted to be honoring. And, and man, heart of gold, right? And so he, he rises up in prison. Pretty soon, Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's wine taster, they have, uh, they make Pharaoh mad for some reason. They end up in prison, and then they have dreams. God's used Joseph. Uh, he, he's given Joseph dreams before, so dreams are kind of Joe's thing, right? And so they have dreams in the same night, um, and, so, and so Joseph overhears them talking about it, and he's like, oh, God can give you an interpretation for your dream because God will do it because God is amazing. And I love that about Joe because he never, ever stopped talking about how amazing God was. So here he is. He interprets the dreams of this baker and of this cupbearer or wine taster, and it was cool. The, the, the wine taster was like, yeah, I had this amazing dream. And, and, and you know, the, uh, my grapes were rising. And Joe's like, oh, you know, your dream is so good. You're going to be restored in three days back to Pharaoh's home. And the other guy's like, the baker's like, man, he had a good dream. I'm going to tell you my dream. And I had these baskets on my head. And then the birds were like swooping down and eating the bread. And Joe's like, yo, bro, your dream is not so good. You're going to be dead in three days. The king's going to, or the pharaoh's going to kill you. And so um, these things happen. These things happen. And, and when the cupbearer, the, the wine chaser, when he's restored to Pharaoh's house, Joe's like, don't forget me. And the dude totally forgot him. <laughs> it's totally stunk for Joe. So again, now Joe, there he is again. He's in prison. Totally unjust, totally not his fault. Like, he's just doing his best, man. He's, he's living the, his best life he can. He's honoring God. He's, he's got his head up. All those things, right? Finally, Pharaoh has a dream. And he goes to everyone he's got, and he asks them if they can interpret his dream. And, and finally, the cupbearer's like, oh, man. <sighs> Pharaoh, I should have told you. When I, was in, when I was in your prison, when you were mad at me that one time, there was a guy, and he, uh, he, I had a dream, and he interpreted it for me. Maybe he can interpret your dream. So there go, they go get Joe, and Joe comes in. they got to shave him up, put a little eyeliner on him, maybe a wig or something. I don't know. They did that back then. And uh, Joe comes forward, and, and he stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's going to share his dream with Joe. And Joe, of course, says the same thing he said to everyone else. God will do it. God will interpret your dream. And uh, so he does, and this dream is kind of freaky. It's like, like these pharaohs dreaming, and these really, um, these really fat cows are, are, are hanging out in the water, and, and pretty soon, like, these really sickly, skinny cows come up out of the water, and then they, like, eat the fat cows, and, like, ugh. But um, anyway, so, but God gives Joseph the interpretation of this dream. And in the interpretation, it was, it was a, a, a time was going to happen of great, of great favor on the land where they were going to have abundance and abundance. And then a time after that would come where there would be a famine. And the famine would be so severe, it would be like the favor time never, ever, ever happened. And so when Joseph shared that dream with Pharaoh, and he shared the meaning that God gave him with Pharaoh, Pharaoh got so happy 
that Joseph was there in front of him and could share with him what his dream meant. He just, he put a ring on Joseph and he, and he made him like one of his main guys. And, and, uh, and, and as things go in this situation, what ended up happening is Joseph had power over the entire nation. And then when the things came to pass that happened in Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph had stored up enough grain and had stored up enough things that during those seven years of famine that, that were part of the, the dream, Joseph ended up saving the lives of countless people and ultimately saving the entire Hebrew nation and or what was to be the Hebrew nation. And uh, man, so powerful that God delivered Joseph through all of these things and that he ended up using this kid who was so annoying as this, the person who would be used to save lives, essentially save the known world, right? Um, and man, I want to encourage you as you as you look in your scripture, read through this this story because it, it's it's pretty pretty wild. But a couple of things that I want to to speak to about Joseph's story, you know, um, life is not lived. Yeah, like your life is it's not a highlight reel, guys. You you get one life, right? And, and our life is lived in the meanwhile, you know. And and we read these these moments of of stories like Joseph's or moment of stories about anybody, and and there's there's glorious moments here, you know. Um, there's there's hard moments, there's glorious moments, but but we got to remember that that in the meantime, in the meanwhiles, is where Joseph's life was lived, you know. Um, meanwhile, and, and that God had a plan in the meanwhile. You know, and while Joseph was languishing in, in, in prison, but yet God was moving in the supernatural. And, and while Joseph was languishing in a hole, uh, God was moving in the supernatural and arranging it so Joseph would be where God wanted him to be. And, and I want to encourage us today that in the meanwhile, like what are we doing with our meanwhile, right? And, and I want to say this, that, that, you know, Joseph had a word from God. Like God gave him a dream, two dreams actually, and, and Joseph had something that he held on to. Um, and then Joseph, he kept his chin up. We talked about that. He didn't, he, he just, he, he put confidence in the words from God. And then, and then Joseph, he didn't give up. Like he kept getting knocked down, but he kept getting up again. Right. And so that was a powerful thing that Joseph did. But I feel like some of you out there, maybe, maybe you feel like you don't have a word from God. Like you don't even have a starting place, um, to, to be like Joseph and to handle your meanwhile well. And, um, if that's true, man, I got a word from God for you. You know, you you were made on purpose and for a purpose. Your life was meant to be lived, to impact the world for God. You know, you you were made for more. You you were not created so you could sit on your couch and watch the next Netflix series with questionable content that you'll have to repent of later right? You're not created so that you could be in fear and, and, and hold yourself up or that you could, that you could just be completely give. You are not created so that you could gather up all things unto yourself, that you could climb a corporate ladder and then you could sit on top of your own mountain and look down upon everybody else and, and revel in all that you've done. This is not what you were created for. The word for you today is that you were created on purpose by a God who loves you for a purpose, which is to change the world for him. And I want you to think about the fact that if you actually open up his word, they, he will highlight things that he will speak to you, that you can hold on to, that will carry you through the meanwhile 
just like Joseph. And you know, I want to say this, that you may even be a Joseph for a time that God is reserving for you for the future. You know, he speaks dreams and miracles. He speaks future to his people. And and man, if he's done that for you, I want to say, don't let that go. Hold on to it, you guys. Hold on. Because God's purpose and plan for you is, is a plan of power. And he, and he has things that, that are, are going to blow your mind. You know, you, this whole situation is a time where a lot of us are kind of feeling like, like Joe, where we got knocked down. Like things were, were going well. We thought we were prospering. We, we were favored. Like, you know, everything was rolling along and, and, and this hit. And now, man, we're backing up or maybe we feel like we're in a pit, you know, and, and, uh, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this meanwhile? And as we go back to worship, um, just with a beautiful song that, uh, that the team has prepared for you, I want you to consider your meanwhile. I want you to think about the life that you've been given. And I want you to think about how you've been using it. I want you to think about the words that God has spoken to you the words that he's given you uh, through, through his word or through dream or vision, think about these things that he's put deep in your heart and, and ask yourself, have I let that go? Have I let it go? Or have, have, I, have I been able to hold on to it just like Joseph did and persevere and keep going? And then ask yourself, am I keeping my chin up? Because I want to tell you about what, when you keep your chin up, right? And you press on. When you keep your chin up, you get a different perspective. When you're looking down, you see yourself. But when you look up, when you get your chin up, you see people around you, see what's going on around you. And I would say that God is asking you to lift your chin up. Don't give up. Don't give up in the meanwhile. God's got big plans for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for guys like Joseph who can teach us so much in their their meanwhiles, Lord. I thank you, too, that, God, there's highlight reels and that there's mighty, amazing things that have happened through lives like his and others. And I thank you that there will be mighty, amazing things that happen through lives like ours or those um, that are out there. But, Lord, I pray that you would help us really take hold of the meanwhile. That we would understand in our heart of hearts that no matter what's going on, that, that you've always got something cooking. You've always got something happening in the meantime, Lord. And that you would give us supernatural eyes to see that, Lord, so that we wouldn't give up, Jesus. I pray that hearts will be pierced today with your word and that you would speak loudly and clearly and that people can take hold of the hope that they have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys. God bless you. This is my desire to
give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Have your way. Lord, have Wow, what an incredible uh, just word from Pastor Jaina, an incredible time of worship. I really pray that you were worshiping with us in one heart, in one mind, in one church all over the metro. Uh, right now, this is a time where we want to uh, continue our tithes and our giving. We have 22 missionaries that, that we give on a monthly basis. Will you continue to help and to support those missionaries? Uh, also, uh, you have been so generous. We have had benevolence come in for different families that are in need. Continue with that so we can continue to help families that have uh, lost their job or lost income during this time. Thank you so much. And we we were able to, at the end of last month, we were able to get the checkout because money was still coming in for Project Ignite Light. You guys as a church gave over $5,500 to help these kids who have been traumatized. And, and it, it is just an incredible ministry. And I want to thank you for your continued generosity. Go to lifemn.org and there you can just tap on the give button and there's different avenues to be able to give, whether it's through text messaging or just through online giving. Also, thank you for those that have been sending in checks by mail. We still come in and take care of that as well. Thank you for joining us and we just can't wait to see you pretty soon as we pursue Jesus together.